0: Now, it is 10 a.m. here in Mansfield, Texas, which means none other than Safety Struck, of course, here with Buckle Up Bob. Bob, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing well, sir. It is Christmas time. It is my favorite time of the year. You know, it really is just about being nicer to people. You just see it happen all the time. And I am, as you said, and we've talked before, I'm a big Peanuts fan, but I am also An Elvis Presley fan. Okay. And growing up, one of my favorite songs is Why Can't Every Day Be Like Christmas? And I just love that song because I'm like, yeah, why can't it? You know, when you're a kid, you just want the toys all every time. But when you get to be an adult, it's just nice to have that feeling
0: all year long. All year long. Yeah. Well, I I just like the lights, man. I I like the lights. I like the sense of togetherness that everybody kind of has because it's even if things are going crazy everybody's like hey it's christmas though and everybody can just kind of gather together yeah. and it's it's nice you know now, it's calming
1: i see my answer but i'm going to ask anyway cuz i have these debates all the time <laughs> multicolor lights or white lights
0: so as so these are not my lights actually and kit okay. so for all of you listening there are multicolored flashing christmas lights all across the studio right now that are hanging around all of the sound panels and the walls However, I was just told to put these up, but I'm a multicolored lights kind of guy. I like the white lights occasionally. I think they're okay and they're pretty, you know, Yeah. but multicolored lights just remind me of Christmas. White lights you can put anywhere all the time. But the multicolored
1: ones are just Christmas feeling, you know? Absolutely, buddy. That's exactly how I feel. I like, yeah, white lights look no different than a nightlighter, you know? And I'm like, the multicolor, it's the color of the wrapping, the you know, the presents and all the different colors, you know? Because I was growing up, every present that was special to me, the first ones I would ever open were the ones in foil wrapping never the other stuff it had i love foil wrapping paper
0: it's just the act of tearing apart the present and opening it up and like seeing it i don't know it's nice regardless of what you get sometimes you know it's clothes but like that's okay it's not always about the toys and all of that stuff but yeah you know i'm i'm right there with you i think bags are okay you know they're okay but if you can wrap a present that's that's a
1: good present. absolutely we came from a big family uh when I was about nine, my mom remarried and he had four kids. Only two were at home. But we she had four. And so we were all at home. And boy, that tree was just always stacked. She'd always have to my, my mom could pack things like nobody's business. And that tree just looked like an amphitheater the way the present the bigger ones in the back and come to the small. And then always every Christmas morning there'd be some unwrap from Santa, of course. But it was just the idea, you know, and then my kids, my daughter loved Having she wraps them and says from Santa, I was like, my kids were too smart from that day because well, that looks like you're writing, you know. I'm like, like what? No, you're crazy. Just
0: put the toy you're out there. crazy. That <laughs> there's no way. It's Santa, Santa just has good universal uh, handwriting. Absolutely <laughs> it's absolutely right. He just he's trying to impersonate us. He's throwing you off track. If yep. you catch his trail, then that's that's how he gets you. You can you can't ever catch mm-hmm. on. <laughs> I was. <laughs> It's uh, like the mental gymnastics you have to go through to try and prove that Santa isn't real. You're telling me that every every parent in America is going to just put these presents out and eat these cookies, and everybody's just going to do it together, and it's just this massive <laughs> conspiracy? No way. Yeah. It's It's got to be Santa Claus. Santa's just but a real a, guy.
1: Come on. When was the first time you – because know, this is always a debate – when was the first time that you can kind of remember not really believing? I was like – I had to have been maybe eight or
0: nine. I was probably like eight or nine. I remember walking into my mom's bathroom. She was like doing something in there. And we were—it was near Christmas time, or I, it might not have been—I don't know. But I was sitting there, and I was like, "Mom, do you believe in Santa Claus?" <laughs> she was like, I was, "She was like, yeah, definitely." I was like, "Is Santa Claus real?" She was like, "Yeah, of course he is." And I was like, "Okay, all right." <laughs> you know, I kind of started having my doubts. So I'd sit in my room and I'd stare at the ceiling for hours on end. You know how kids do. Yep. <laughs> and. I would just sit there and think, hmm, would my mom lie to me about Santa Claus being real? Does she really believe in Santa Claus? Because she gave me some vague answer. It wasn't actually just yes and no. She said something along the lines of, well, I believe in the spirit of Santa Claus. And I was like, Uh, what am I supposed to do with that? (laughs) It's like, what am I even supposed to think about that? I'm eight years old. I don't even know what that's supposed
1: to mean. I haven't read Plato's story of the cave. I don't know what anything means. Well, and it's interesting because I do believe – You know, I grew up, of course, I'm a lot older than you. And so I do believe as technology is advanced, kids stop believing sooner. Yeah. You know, because I remember I started really questioning in that 10, year eight, I turned 10. And so that Christmas that year, 1970, you know, I was like, oh, okay, now I'm really starting to question it, you know. He started to, the brain develop. But we didn't have cell phones or Internet or anything like that back in the day, you know. Them gifts were rock'em, sock'em robots, and, you know, we didn't even have Atari yet. Yeah. Right? So, again, it was like, and that's, that's why I was curious because you do hear a lot of them about eight or nine now. You know, it's almost a year, year and a half sooner uh, than in the olden days, I guess yeah. you'd say.
0: Well, I think movies have a lot to do with that, yes. too. Like, I was watching, you know, Christmas movies all the time, and the it seems like the biggest plot point to any Christmas movie is, oh, well, I don't believe in Santa Claus. Yes. And you're like, oh, but look, there he is, up on the rooftop. Click, click, click. click. <laughs> and he said, there he is. You were wrong, kid. Check your pocket. There's no <laughs> bell. Just kidding. It's under your tree. And uh, I don't know. It's... It becomes a common theme.
1: <laughs> My daughter bought; she showed me, it, and I got a kick out of it. My grandson's going to be four in January, so of course he's all about Santa Claus this year. And they have a plug-in in the wall. It's. Called the Santa cam. Mm-hmm. And he's constantly going and says, Santa, I did this today. Santa, I did this today. <laughs> That's <laughs> like it's the automatic babysitter almost.
0: <laughs> so you don't even have to check. You're like, no. hey, he's going to confess. It's like putting up a, um, oh, what are those things called in church, where the priest is sitting on one side and there's a like, panel and then the other person sits on the other side and they confess, like the confessional oh, box. Oh, the confessional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you're just putting a confessional in your kid's room. <laughs> they're saying they're like, Santa. Today I might have made the naughty list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just it, it's it's cute, but it's like I don't know if that's really so I don't know good or want, bad. I don't want to know about that. <laughs> know. What did you What did you put in the soup? <laughs> yeah. Oh bad. Well, yeah. Sorry, we got way off topic. What do we What do we, we What do we, we have going we on today? We are talking
1: about hours of service, the rules, things to do and not to do, and and how to have a plan. But the big one that we uh, talked today about, and it's one that's really um, getting a lot of our drivers are asking a lot of questions, which is great. And some don't want to know. They just don't want to mess with it. Hey, I want to, you know, you, they're kind of that rigid format and they go, okay, I just want to drive the truck. When my hours are up, they're up. And they're missing a golden opportunity to help them. The rules really changed. A couple years ago, they changed the personal conveyance rule as on a trial. I believe we're in the third year of five. So, At the end of five, they can either say, hey, we like it and we're going to put it in the book or they'll tweak it and maybe test it for another few
0: years. So Um, what is personal conveyance and how is that being used for drivers right now?
1: Personal conveyance, a lot of drivers mistake it because it says personal. So if they think of anything they're doing personal, they can use it. Personal conveyance is designed for you to get to a safe place because you're out of hours and you're being forced to drive. Examples would be hey I parked here police came along I've only been shut down for 7 hours and they're making me move. You don't have a choice. Hmm. So you can personal convey to the nearest safe place. You can't so extend
0: your day. Is personal conveyance like reimbursement or is that just you get your time back for your for your break there?
1: You don't get anything. it, it personal conveyance allows you to stay off duty hmm. and drive. Okay. And that's why it's not something that you can drive great distances for. It's just something that you can get to that nearest safe place. It's just a crutch to what I like to say is the definition we always use in our orientation class, it's designed to get you out of a situation you didn't cause. Mm. Okay. And so examples of that you cause or didn't not necessarily cause, but you have control over. And so one of them would be, Hey, well, I got to this customer with five minutes to go on my clock and they're, they won't let me stay here. Well, you had the option not to deliver or pick up the load.
0: Gotcha. So you
1: knew that. So we have an hour stipulations. Hey, in a perfect world, they can get you in and out in a half hour. And that gives you 30 minutes to go. So we can allow that. But if you're going to get there with 15, 20 minutes to go, then you already know you're not going to make it. So you're in control of that situation. So it would be one, hey, I got to this customer with two and a half hours left and they took four to unload me. Now they won't let me stay here. That's out of your control, and you're being forced to move. The second part of it is personal. It has to be personal. You can't take a truck or the trailer to be serviced okay? on personal conveyance So, because it's not personal. Hmm. Um, but you can, hey, I'm taking my 10-hour break at this customer, but I'm hungry. You can go down and grab you a bite to eat and come back, you know, okay. so you can personal. That is where the personal, because technically you're out of hours, but you got to go, you know and you got to eat and if you're going to go take a shower it just has to be in reason you can't extend your day or move towards your next dispatch got gotcha. you
0: so this is this is just kind of to protect drivers from while they're driving being technically over their hours mm-hmm. and then keeping them from getting in trouble for getting that getting
1: in trouble and getting in a cool. violation cool cool it's so a good ha- rule but it's just it gets misused a lot, and a lot of times, I say, well, it's personal. Uh, well, but it's not covered.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you've mentioned that it changed about three years ago.
1: What yeah. what changes were made? Well, the rule before was very simple. You had to bobtail. You had okay. to drop your trailer. You could bobtail away, and you had to come back to that same location. Therefore, you couldn't advance the load. But. And then it had to be personal. You couldn't bobtail out and go get the truck service. Hmm. But if you went to Walmart, picked up some groceries, or went to eat, and you came back, you were okay. So they changed that rule, I believe, mainly from the articles I read was because box truck drivers can't separate the trailer from the load. So they couldn't do it. Even though they were driving the same rules and hours, a lot of them, they couldn't separate from the load and bobtail away. So they just said, hey, you can be loaded. You can be empty. And so another rule that went in everybody's favor but, again, you know, one of, one of the things I always tell them is if you sit sitting there and you figured out a way to manipulate the system, it's wrong. Yeah. It was never designed for you to gain a big advantage. It was designed for you to get out of a situation you didn't cause, you know. And then the second rule is personal. And then we have a third one where we limit the miles per day. And so, but that was the big rule change. You now can take an empty out on personal conveyance. You can take a load. You can do all that as long as it's within the guidelines. Hey, I'm not advancing towards my, I'm going two miles down here to the next truck stop so that I can stop and take my break. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But if the DOT see some, you know, we've had drivers, well, I went 80 miles because this one wasn't, we look under the logs, they never stopped. Yeah. So they didn't try. They just said, hey, well, this truck stop was full. And when we call them, they say, well, I knew it would." Well, you didn't know because you didn't stop. You know, we know truckers work 24-7, right? Yeah. So there's always people leaving at odd hours and coming in at odd hours. Yes, certain areas do fill up very quickly. You know that East Coast is a nightmare. Yeah, but uh, this should help the drivers, and and our drivers have done a great job at, at it. We really we have very little personal conveyance issues. Mm. We address them right away. We give them, you know, the third time we take it away. Yeah, you know, as an as an like we we can never take the rule away because it's it's a federal law, but we can take away their option to choose it freely. Mm. So now they've got to call us and say, hey, I'm going to do this. I need personal conveyance, and we can talk about it and we say, yep, that qualifies. Call us in the morning, and we'll change it to personal conveyance for you. Gotcha. so we do allow them to have, but we just take the and we have like we've never had more than two guys on that list. So they do they do a great
0: job. Sure, which is which is important. And I, yep. I think that it is helpful to have a lot of drivers who take that responsibility and know how to recognize that because I was a little bit confused on the rule this morning when we were talking about it before. I was like, man, I don't know what would qualify for personal conveyance. I don't know how I would do that. So it's nice to know that even if I, I mean, and I don't hold a CDL, I would not be in this position, but if I were to be driving a tractor trailer and I had a load, then I could, you know, oh, say there's a Walmart two miles down the road and I've made my hours today, but I know that I have no food on me and I don't want to really go eat at a truck stop. So I could call up and say, hey, I want to go to this supermarket really quick. Mm-hmm. Want to pick up some groceries. It's only three miles down the road. I'll park it pretty close by over there as well and just stop my day. Mm-hmm. Can I do that? Yeah. And then being able to do that is is helpful. That's yeah. that's good for our drivers. And as our well.
1: drivers getting real good about if they're unsure, they just call and ask, hey, yeah. can I do this? Uh yeah, absolutely can. And a lot of times you can do it one way but not the other way back. You know, an example that would be hey I'm taking the truck like I'm going home for the weekend. So I take the truck and I drop it off on Friday night to get service. That's on-duty driving. Hmm. They fix it. They call me Saturday, but I'm in the middle of a 34-hour reset break, right? Technically, I got hours because I've been off for over 10, but I'll mess up my 34. So, literally, we don't have the hours. Hmm. But you can go have somebody drop you off, and you can PC home because now you're not servicing the truck. You're not advancing the load, and you are – it is personal. You're going home. Yeah. And so now it is what it is, okay? So, a lot of times you can go one way not the other and the same thing would be bobtailing now you know a lot of people get confused and think bobtailing does it but if you have a customer by your house and you run out of hours and you bobtail home okay that's okay okay PC. But when you go back the next day, even though you're bobtailing, you are now readiness to be dispatched and you're moving back to pick that trailer up. So you are advancing towards your next dispatch. Then mm. it's not. So a lot of times, it, hey, one way I can do it, but the other way not back, other way. I can't.
0: You just have to be cognizant yeah. of when your hours start and when you yeah. can do that. Okay.
1: And really the the best rule that I have seen for years, I've been in this industry for a long time. Uh, one of the things I've always heard drivers was being forced to take a break when they're not tired and being off for 10 hours when they're wide awake. And I can empathize with that because I cannot sleep during the day. So if I ran nights or the schedule was where it was always fluctuating, but it just happened to be where I drove and stopped at six or seven or eight, nine in the morning, I wouldn't be able to get that 10 hour rest. I'd be stopped driving, but I wouldn't be rested. Hmm. And then I'm gonna go back out. And so it's just really unsafe. And I've heard that and I can really empathize with that. Well, in September this year, the DOT finally made some changes again in the driver's favor. And they went, years ago, you may not know this, you could take a split sleeper up to five and five. Okay. Six and four, any combination, as long as it equaled 10. Well, they felt that was unsafe. And so a few years, maybe five or six years ago, they made it eight and two. Mm. That's it. And that was bad. And so now they've relaxed it to seven and three. You have that option as well. And then what they really did was go one step further. And this is very hard, but years ago, it depended on which part of the break you took first okay if you took the smaller break first it counted in your 14. yes you could split it but your 14 was up when your 14 was up still if you took the big one first it was what they called a qualified break and then you didn't you got the balance before you had to go back into sleep or birth kind of what we got now what they've done now is they've made it doesn't matter you take the small one or the big one first it pauses your 14. Hmm. So in other words, you know, back in the day, if you would work for six hours of your 14 and you go in your eight hour sleeper berth, right, you would have eight hours left of your 14, provided you never went over your driving. Yeah. Okay. But if you went in the two first, it did not pause it. It counted inside that 14. Now it doesn't matter. They all pause your 14. So if I go in sleepover for three hours, when I come out of that, that's when my 14 picks back up. It doesn't count that three hours. Hmm. And then I have to shut down again, of course. I, I don't get all new hours. I just get the balance of what's left. Interesting. Well, so that's why I can't never go over that.
0: And that counts against the driver because then they end up losing money just for resting, which is something that you don't want to happen right. because again, as we say, every time we get on the show, anytime we do anything, fatigue is the major cause of stress. Or stress is a major cause of fatigue. See, and fatigue
1: is the biggest cause of accident. driving. Yes. And we had a driver, you know, he was talking he, he called me and told me, he says, Hey, I wasn't even trying to do this. But he woke up after seven hours and ten minutes in a sleeper berth. It was overnight, he had to go to the restroom. So he got him to go to the restroom and he found himself wide awake. Hmm. And he happened to look at his device, and said, Well, it says I can drive for seven hours. And he could because he paused his 14. And so he got to go and he drove a few more hours to the customer and then took the rest of his sleep. He just lay down, and took a nap because and that's where I think the um, the flexibility of that is so good for the drivers because now they can sleep when they're tired. Hey I got I to be off 10 hours total, but if I'm only sleeping seven of that, I can wake up and drive a little bit, and if I start to get sleepy, I've got the balance. I can always pull over and not hurt myself.
0: Yeah, and just you know? shut down and sleep a little bit. Yeah.
1: yeah. And we had one driver, uh, you know, one of the logs we showed was uh, one of our drivers, um, he, was, he was disappointed. He wasn't mad because he knows the rules, but he ran out of hours about 55 miles from his home. Hmm. Okay. So he shut down. It was going to take another 10-hour break. So he called me about it, and I was talking to him. I said, well, you know, I looked at your, when you started your shift, I said, you were at a customer for an hour and 54 minutes off duty. He goes, yeah. I said, if you have sat there another 10 minutes, you would have had a two-hour qualified break. That would have paused your 14 if you'd have put it in a sleeper, and you would have made it home. Hmm. He goes, oh, I wish I have known that. I said, we talk about it in orientation. But it's just some drivers close off. They're like, I don't want to learn anything new. But man, in this industry, when we tell you there's a bandage for you, you really need to understand it because it's the greatest dr- thing for these drivers to have all this flexibility. And I said, yeah, you would have already been home in your bed. Yeah. And he goes, oh, man. I said, hey, all you got to do is call us. If you're not sure or something, just call us. But I said, yeah, but you got to make a minimum of two. And I said, you only had an hour and 54. That's why I didn't let you do it. But I said, just so if you'd understood it, you'd have just sat at that customer an extra 10 minutes. What's 10 minutes? And I said, and then you would have saved yourself another seven hours at the end.
0: Yeah, which you know? is massive.
1: It's it's absolutely
0: massive. right. So what are some of the major violations that can come of this? Like what what, what are the common ones that we
1: see? The ma- Major violations as far as DOT looks at is the big four, and that's your eight-hour violation, which means now that's changed. That was another rule that changed. Uh, Before, when you started your clock, if you will, within the first eight hours, you had to take a 30-minute off-duty break. Yeah. Or you'd be in violation. Well, they changed that to eight hours of driving, and now it can be on-duty or off. You just have to break the driving for 30 minutes. Doesn't matter whether it's an off-duty function or an on-duty. So you stop and get fuel... And you're sitting there truck stop. You can just sit there for another 15 minutes and go off duty and, and be off duty. You can combine it as long as the truck isn't driving for a 30 minute consecutive window. Then you you satisfy that eight hour break. Mm. The 11s never changed. You can never drive more than 11 hours in a shift. And then you have the 14 hour rule, which we talked about. It pauses now. And then the 70, which wasn't affected. You've got 70 hours in an eight day period to be on duty driving. None of your off duty. None of your sleeper birth count just on-duty and driving count towards that 70. And so you can never go over that in eight days. Okay. So them are what DOT calls major infractions. You can get ticketed. You can get placed out of service. You're driving illegally, basically. Yeah. Okay? And then they have minor ones, which are form and manner. You have to have your bill of waiting and your trailer numbers on your logs. Uh, and we have places for that. You have to certify your logs. So each day you got to go and look at the previous day. If it's correct, before you move, you need to check it and certify it. And they will look at that. Then we're some of the minor form and manner ones.
0: Okay. So said 70, and whenever you talk about these being major DOT kind of ticketable offenses, are they going to ticket you on like the first few times, like the first time you do this? Like if you get caught, let's just say you just lost track, right? Mm-hmm. This is your first time ever kind of dealing with these violations before. You just lose track. You go over your seventy. Are you going to immediately get ticketed for that, or are they just going to let you know? Is there any way that they can have help keeping track of those hours?
1: They absolutely do. On their device, it tells them. Okay. The device itself will give them an hour warning a 30-minute warning, and a 50 minute So they get three warnings before they run out of their hours. And they just have to look see which one. It could be their 70 if it's the end of their week. It could be their 14 if it's the end of their day. It could be their 11 if they drove a lot that day. It could be their 8 if they haven't taken a 30-minute break. Yeah. It's always going to alert them to the first one that's going to run out first. Okay, And then they just got to look on their screen, and it'll tell them, one of them will match an HOS clock at the bottom. So, yeah, the devices are very good at that. And that's what DOT looks in audits. When they come here and audit us, they're looking for patterns. So we have to be, I forget the percentage now, but I think we have to be something like under 60% and it's not a pattern and, and we are consistently in the 30s okay. and I overdo it. You know, like I'll give us the worst case scenario. In other words, I'll pull up the violations report and I'll only count the drivers that have violations. So I'm counting every violation we have and we've never hit that. Wow. Whatever that percentage was, because they're looking for a pattern. If they see a pattern, then they can dock us. But if they don't see a pattern, that's what they consider a pattern. So I'm like, okay, they're going to pull X number of drivers, you know, a percentage of our drivers. And let's say it's 60 drivers. They're only going to pull 30 days of their logs randomly, right? So they're not going to hit every driver that had a violation. So we're going to have a bunch of, you know, we're going to have the mix. So if I'm pulling the worst of the worst and we're under, then I feel pretty good in an audit. So mm. that's kind of what I do just to see, hey, BCB loves and I and I and I love this about the company is we try to be tougher than the DOT, just a little. Not we don't want to punish any driver, but we just try to make our rules just a tad stricter than theirs and that way we don't really run into any issues with the dot cuz like they can't come in and say well you got to do that oh well, you're already doing that
0: yeah it right? gives it gives a little bit of a cushion like a barrier right before mm-hmm. you get to dot cuz you you don't want to crack down on drivers either cuz that's going to cause a lot of stress mm-hmm. and i know that stress is a pretty common complaint amongst drivers and once you kind of open yourself up for that it's kind of a, it's a slippery slope so if you just take the dot rules Stretch it a little tiny bit and just give yourself that break so that you don't make the rules. We're just following exactly DOT because that gives you all, doesn't give you any room
1: to mess up. That's right. Then it makes it a little bit easier. It absolutely does. And our drivers usually, when you can explain it to them in a way, you know, and and the best way I've ever found was do you want us coming in and telling you how to run your house? I said, no. I said, That's what can happen if we don't stay on the DOT side. So when we talk to them about their vehicle maintenance records and we need them to get their equipment inspected more often, hey, that's a small step versus what can happen. Because if the yeah. DOT comes in here and says, hey, if you want to keep your doors open, here's what you're going to do. You're either going to quit or do it anyway. Well, here, we're going to be a little proactive in it and say, hey, let's do this. That way they don't have that option. And if we stay off of their radar, they can't come in and tell they have no reason to come in and tell us how to run our yeah. business. And it's just like anything else. You don't like being told what to do. Neither do we, and that's where this is. And you just got to kind of paint that picture to, hey, this is how the real world world works in this in this kind of scenario or amphitheater, if you will, with these rules.
0: Yeah, and the DOT is just, just a smidge harsher than what we would be anyways. Yes. They It is kind of their job to be on top of it and ticketing and closing down people if they need to. Mm. So it's better to stay off. Of them, if they want you, if they want you shut down, or if they want you out of service, they will make that happen.
1: Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. And that's really we don't want the DOT, and that's the problem. Every officer is different. You know, my big thing with the DOT really is the only complaint I got about them is some of the rules have nothing to do with safety. You know, if you've got 50 marker lights on your trailer and one of them's out, they can write you up. It's like but that doesn't make that trailer any less visible. Yeah, but it's just if <laughs> you, you know? if
0: you give if you give the wiggle room to say, Okay, well that's it. If we allow some lights to be out, then some lights will be out and it just be and then,
1: yeah, and then the guy says, Well, I only got five out. Well you let this guy go with four. Oh, then the fi- and the line just keeps getting pushed. Yeah. And we talk a lot about that with our drivers. They say, well, I was only one minute over my hours. Yeah, but if we let that go, then the guy that's two minutes says, well, wait a minute. I was only one minute over. No, you were two minutes over what was allowed. And it and it just muddies that line. It's like, why yeah. not just leave it where it is? Exactly. So, you, you don't ever want to push no. the
0: boundary there because, it, like I said, it becomes a slippery slope. Absolutely. But, Bob, thank you for joining us today. I'm uh, very lucky to have you in here every well, every Thursday or every i
1: enjoy it i'm very passionate about the safety so again if it helps the driver that's really what it matters
0: yeah and i'm glad that we have somebody who is knowledgeable to come in and talk about it as opposed to me just sitting here rambling for (laughs) 30 minutes hoping to hit the mark on something so thank you again for coming in and joining us here on safety struck